Hello, and welcome to The Automator Show. This is a podcast about automation, how it affects life, technology, and society. My name is Mike Dominic, and uh, well, this is kind of an episode zero for us. Uh, I do not have a guest or a co-host today. This is more of a, you know, get something in the feed and kind of introduce myself. Many of you, if you know me at all, will probably know me from either um, Coder Radio, which is a uh, technology podcast I hosted on Jupiter Broadcasting for a little over six years, or you might know me from some of my older Mac and iOS products, such as Code Journal and a few other things. Um, I'm also the owner of a small consultancy and uh, automation shop called The Mad Botter. Uh, but yeah, so the the idea here is I have been witnessing in my career kind of a change from you know the app mentality to the process mentality and now to an almost automation mentality. And what I mean by that is over and again, I am getting the request from all kinds of clients. I, I mean, I've worked with startups. I've worked with you know local mom and pop chain stores. Um, I've worked with large uh, technology aviation companies. I've worked with military contractors. Um, I've had military clients. I have basically done you know a huge gamut. And now that it's 2019, we're seeing a, a huge change, I think, in the industry away from uh, necessarily you know custom bespoke solutions and more towards solutions that focus on automating processes and really lowering the cost of doing business in general. But also, I, you know, I, I think that's a big error in the whole conversation around automation is that it's just about cost, right? Uh, I mean, you can read all the think pieces you want in places like The Atlantic and uh, The New York Times about how automation is just out to eliminate jobs. You know, I, I don't really believe that. I think it could be a side effect, but I think for us to get to where we need to be as a society, we're going to need to remove the idea that, you know, a minute worked is a minute earned. Because to be honest, we have the technology, right? Uh, this is a pretty nerdy analogy, but folks who followed me for a while on the internet will know that I very much enjoy comparing our reality to Star Trek and Star Wars, where Star Trek, you know, magic space wizards aside, is actually the dystopian future of the reality. I know for any, any uh, I'm sorry, Star Wars is the dystopian future of the reality. I know any uh, of our Star Wars fans out there are going to be a little taken aback, but if you think about it, Star Wars is a fundamentally um, unequal, and not just unequal in that some people have more, but unequal in just like dramatic ways, right? The, the, the masses, the general population have virtually nothing. Where in Star Trek, at least if you're in the Federation, so think the humans for those of you who aren't Trekkies, um, you know, they replicate most of their basic needs, food, clothing, um, parts for, you know, tr ships and things like that, right? Basic engineering products. And it's, frankly, a, a better outcome, right? Now, I, these are fictional works, so let, let's not get too, uh, too critical. But we are looking at two possible different philosophies of the future. Are we going to have... You know, a society where we're still doing manual work, or, and manual doesn't necessarily mean, you know, uh, blue collar, but there's all kinds of manual work, right? Sorting through Excel sheets, right? Our Rabat product at the Mad Botter, forgive the plug, but I have to, is basically designed to automate processing of Excel sheets and data from sources like Salesforce. That's what we're doing. And frankly, I think the people who are using it 
are happy to have their weekends and nights back with their families and their friends and their loved ones where you know it's always important and as a father myself i teach my son you have to work but we are technologically at the point where there is such a thing as non uh non-productive work and i'll give you an example things where you're just going through a set of data and sitting there painstakingly for hours trying to find I don't know, some kind of accounting discrepancy or, you know, somebody didn't clock out on a timesheet. Not useful, right? That is something that we 100% have the technology for. There's literally no reason for a human to be doing that. But we're doing it because, well, I don't know why. And that's what I'm hoping to explore, right? Are, are we afraid of automation as a society? Is perhaps automation overhyped? Um, is it that, you know, we don't have structures in place to repurpose people, right? If the job, if certain jobs do go away. And another huge example, uh, which I think we're going to talk about in a few weeks, is automated driving, right? Think about think about companies like Uber. Well, the largest cost center for Uber, the most um, threatening thing to their business model, and with all the IPO flakeouts this year, if you're in the startup world, you have to be afraid. Is the drivers? Right, they are dramatically subsidizing and underpaying their drivers. Automation would be very good for that company, very bad for the drivers. Um, Long-distance trucking. I know if you've never had any experience with this, you won't know, but uh, long-distance trucking for decades was a way for people to get into the middle class. And now companies like uh, Google's Auto are aggressively moving into it and you know there are regulatory guidelines, but in theory, once the technology for automated driving, which I personally don't think is quite there yet, but I think it's getting there, there's really no reason to have these poor people out there working 16, 18-hour shifts, um, endangering their welfare, endangering their health, right? It's a tough job, when we could simply have the machines do it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not empathetic to that type of work or to any type of work, right? One one fun thing that people don't notice about automation, they always think about, you know, self-driving cars and uh, 3D printing, which I think we're going to talk about in about a week. But actually, it's a lot of white-collar work. You know, a lot of accounting um, can frankly be automated. I My company uses a program called QuickBooks Online, which is a software-as-a-service item. They can and would very happily automate my entire payroll. Um, Rabot, our product, literally automates integrating different software systems into GUI workflows that you make once, schedule, and they run forever. Um, a bunch of those online legal sites, I don't know if you've ever started a small business or if you've ever wanted to drop a quick bill of sale or some sort of contract, you can go to sites like uh, LegalZoom or Rocket Lawyer. Much of that contract editing and contract creation is straight automation, right? There, there may be attorneys who originate the, the base contract, but you know, if you've ever worked with an attorney to draw up a contract, it's a lot, lot more than what you're paying any of those services. And the way they're doing that is, of course, economies of scale, but primarily they're using software automation. Um, another great example, in your local newspaper, if your town still has one, which I, I'm happy to say that my town of Riverview, Florida does, that little sports column with all the stats uh, you know, for your local teams, either your double A baseball or here we have, uh, they're, you know, they're big into, there's a college, it's kind of a college town. So the college sports, the college stats, that's 
almost certainly a software program that is, again, automation software that literally writes that article. And all they do is input a different team. It pulls the stats and it creates it in a grid. Another piece of software formats it for whatever kind of layout the uh, newspaper editors want. And there's your your local sports stats. Um, Even further, going again into the media, there have been entire articles automated by artificial intelligence uh, journalists, if I can bend the term, but there, and I will say for full disclosure, there is heated debate about whether you can call a machine writing an article actual journalism or not. I today don't care to get in that debate, but I do think it's something, you know, it's, it's worth discussing, right? How about um, automated painting? There are works of art that have been completely developed by AI. You can look it up. Uh, Google had a project. Some of them are very disturbing, like, really disturbing, but some of them are are quite beautiful. Oh, and since we mentioned Google, uh, are you a chess player or a uh, Go player? Go is a, a uh, old uh, Chinese uh, tactical game similar to chess, but far more complex, because you've got no chance against either AlphaGo, which is Google's Go AI, or um, whatever their chess one was called, whose name I can't remember. It's... Oh, I'll, by the way, speaking of that, maybe you're a little younger, maybe you like PC gaming. How about StarCraft? Uh, the tactical real-time strategy game, because Google's got you there too. They have an AI that defeated the world champion. In fact, we could go down a list of games where there are artificial intelligence programs. And and again, as we get deeper, we're going to discuss, should we be calling these programs? Should we be calling them entities? Should we be calling them services? But for today, I'm just going to mix metaphors left and right. you know, just 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 for the sake of of argument. Oh, by the way, another one. Your bank, uh, when they randomly or seemingly randomly call you for fraud detection on your credit card or your debit card, not all, but many banks are using an AI automated system to do that. No actual representative of your bank, for the sake of argument, if your bank is Bank of America, right? No representative has actually looked at your account unless you call after you get the message and specifically request it. That's automation. And we could even go a little, let's go a little more, you know, at home here. We all go grocery shopping, right? We've all been to a a Walgreens or a CVS or something like that. Well, have you noticed the self-checkout lines? That's completely automated. The only intervention, and and they've come a long way. If you're you're old enough to remember how they started, things were, um, can we say, a little rough? Right? It was kind of buggy. You know, it was kind of more of a hassle. Well, now some of them can even read the back of the barcode on your ID. And and if it's in state, scan if you're actually 21. Now, most states don't allow that, and they still have a representative come and check that you're the person you say you are. And for those out of the United States, you have to be 21 to buy, um, I think, alcohol and maybe tobacco now. I don't know what the law is on tobacco. I don't, I don't smoke. But there's a restriction if you go to the store and attempt to buy, let's say, a six-pack of beer. You have to be of a certain age. Um, well, they're nearly flawless. I was at my local Publix this morning. I don't think I spoke to anybody. I, I, everything was just prepared. I put the order in online. It was all done. I checked out with the automated system, walked right out. Gone in, let's say, less than five minutes. It took me longer to park the car and walk from the back of the parking lot. If you're a technologist like I am, well, things like Kubernetes, things like containerization, orchestrating your containers, that's automating a lot of IT administration that used to 
used to be, you know, a, a team did that. You had a whole team of people. Well, that's done. How about the revolution? And I'm hoping we, we can have some uh, interesting person on to talk about this. Automated software testing, both in, you know, the classic idea of testing your data inputs and outputs, but also automated user interface testing, something that, frankly, at the beginning of my career, you would have been laughed out of the room for mentioning. Now is be quickly becoming, if it hasn't already, a best practice in the technology industry. Automatic for pennies, penny, you know, percentages of pennies on the dollar of what a QA professional would cost you. Now, granted, none of these technologies are perfect yet, right? In a way, we are on the, and I hate to use the, uh, you know, the uh, tech bro catchphrase here, but we really are on the edge of the fourth industrial age, which, and there's a book by that title, you should read it. Um, this is the beginning, right? These are the early days. And I, I know many of you are skeptical, but in the last few minutes here, let me, let me kind of make the case. In the early days of the internal combustion engine and the automobile as we know it, right? So automobile kids, fancy way to say car, by the way. They were, those cars were crap, right? Like the Model T wasn't very good. It was good for its time, but we would look at it now, especially if you're riding around in a Tesla and say, this is hot garbage. They were buggy. They required tons of fuel, tons of maintenance. Um, you know, if you were to own a car, you had to actually know what you're doing. Well, now they don't. Why? That's the natural progression of technology maturing. We are in the we are in the the infant stage, you know, the just postnatal stage of automation technology. And you know, I'm in my 30s. In my lifetime, I think it's going to have incredibly dramatic impacts on society um, and on frankly how we work, but also how we live. Right? Imagine. I, you know, I'll give you another dumb example of automation. Anybody else have a Roomba? A little robot that goes around your house and sweeps up? Uh, I just uh, ordered a new one. I had the one of the older ones that can only vacuum. Uh, well, now they have one that can clean your tile floor. Now they have one that can go around corners a little better, especially in a bathroom, and like try to get behind a toilet. How much quality of life are myself and my family getting back because now we don't... I mean... Not that we don't have to clean at all, but we, you know, we don't have to vacuum two or three times a week. We vacuum once a week, right? We 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 do a deep mopping on the kitchen. I don't know every two weeks, once a month. We couldn't get away with that if we didn't have this machine. Um, and and Roombas, you know, from the company iRobot. That's just an example, right? That's not there are there. I'm sure there are competitive products. Um, yeah, speaking of cars that I just mentioned. Ever been to a GM factory? Well, if you haven't been to one in the last decade, uh, go again because a lot of machines are doing a lot of the work of building those cars now. And it's not just GM, right? Toyota, in fact, some of the Japanese manufacturers really kind of uh, uh, pioneered this in their in their quest to cut costs. Um, whole different job. You know, I come from a family, several people were linemen in GM factories. They wouldn't, They, in fact, one of them did go back to a, a plant he used to work at didn't even recognize the place, right? Didn't even recognize it. Even sectors that we think of as traditional manual sectors like like manufacturing are already being dramatically changed by the automation revolution, and they're going to continue to be. Um, And I'm looking forward to exploring that with you. Um, You know, I, I will be honest with my bias. I am a technology guy. I think that 
there are going to be some birthing pangs here, so to speak, or as a father of a toddler, I can tell you if automation's in its infancy, we should get ready for the terrible twos. But, you know, if we work through it, it'll be, it comes out good on the outside, right? Or on the other side. Uh, so yeah, so the format, I just want to take a minute and talk about the format of the show here. This is going to be, once we really get up and running a bi-weekly show, though, so that's every other week, um, I'm going to try to have a good balance of brief, straight topic shows, probably around the 20 to 30 minute mark, and longer interview shows. I can't say, you know, as a promise that it will be half and half, but I'm trying to keep it there. I, I have some pretty interesting people lined up to come on. Uh, we're going to start the show in earnest, uh, early November. It's currently the 21st of October right now. But I th- and, I, and and this is very important. I'm not just going to be talking about the technology side. Now, granted, I as I'm uh, hosting the show, I am a technology guy, and I, I, I'll admit that there's going to be that bent. But I'm going to try to get in folks from all walks of life, right, from you know, other technology people with perhaps a different perspective or a different level of expertise or rather a different area of expertise. Um, I'm going to try to get into people who have work jobs that have been partially automated and find out, you know, how was that experience? Is it, was that a positive experience for you or, or is that a challenging experience for you? Um, I'm going to try to get in, you know, folks who are historians, people who understand, you know, the history of automation. This didn't just start in, in 2019, right? Uh, e- um, economists, people like that to kind of give us a wider view of, te- of uh, how this new technology revolution uh, is likely to impact society. I'm also going to go out of my way uh, to get on people who don't agree with me, right? I mean, I think I was pretty clear in the first minute here that I think automation is a good thing. I think we should encourage it. But this isn't, you know, this isn't a, a sermon, I, in fact, if you are someone with, you know, who, who's an expert in your field and you strongly disagree with me, I would love to have a civil um, debate with you and say, you know, let's, let's find out what the negative externalities of automation are going to be. And I, and I will freely admit there are going to be some before we go too deep into this. I mean, I am still confident that it's a good thing, but I want this show to be representing both sides of the argument and indeed even maybe it's not about sides but different perspectives right so i hope you'll subscribe uh the url is automator.show please visit our sponsor uh the mad botter which is my company the mad botter inc and uh, if you're looking to get some automation in your workflows check out rabot rabbit that's a robot but with an a in the middle uh and two b's so like a rabbit you know robot get the joke yeah and you will notice if you're not familiar with any of my work there's a huge alice in wonderland theme in this whole thing it's just a old habit so you know don't think too much of it uh follow me on twitter it's at dumanuko you can follow the mad botter on twitter at the inc and you can follow this show where every episode will be posted once it goes live at at automator show thank you and i look forward to your feedback uh which also can be done on automator.show thank you so much looking forward to it bye